Oh, oh boy. Hey, good morning. <laughs> Look at that. Do you believe Jesus came to save? Do you believe God is mighty to save this morning? He's awesome. He's glorious. He's worthy of our worship, our praise. What a joyful thing to come and proclaim that today. Um, I'm excited because next week we are starting a new series in the book of Ecclesiastes. And the title is Joy Under the Sun. And I I promise you, Ecclesiastes is about joy. <laughs> you, can, you can read it, and, uh, but it is. It is about God and his uh, gift of life that he's given us. And I, I just got to tell you on a personal note, uh, the last few weeks uh, we've walked through a, a difficult season as a church and three young people uh, have gone to be with the Lord. And it's ministered to me going through Ecclesiastes as I've prepared for this series, seeing that God uh, in the brevity of this life God is working he is he has a purpose for our lives so I'm excited so starting next week we're going to start in Ecclesiastes um, today we are finishing uh, a series on the purpose of the church and why God has called us uh, to be his people uh, as at Rimrock we have a vision uh, to be uh, a community being transformed by Jesus Christ. And last year we were in the Sermon on the Mount and we went deep into the idea of transformation. What is the kingdom of God and what is Jesus after in our lives? And it has to do with our hearts and our being, our very uh, the nature of who we are is God is transforming us from the inside. It's not about performance and that Jesus is doing this. He is the blessing. He is fully satisfying us. This series, we're looking at what does it mean to be a community being transformed. And so we've spent some time the last uh, few weeks really uh, looking at that and how that applies to us here at Rimrock. And I, I'm looking at Donovan Broberg up here on the front row, one of our elders, and he gave me a picture uh, that I think really illustrates this well. And we've been showing you kind of a, a ring of circles as we think about how to order our lives individually but as well as a church uh, uh, to live this vision out and uh, he gave me this picture of a pond and rain drops falling on this pond and uh, you know when a raindrop hits a pond it forms these rings right as they move out and all these different raindrops and the rings inter uh, mingling on this pond and at the very center of that is God we have said that the very center of our lives and of this church is God. And he's revealed himself as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that is a truth that we never, ever want to depart from because he is the source of life. All that is good, all that is blessing, all that we need is found in him. He is the power source. And so it is with God and our relationship and that beautiful trinity of love that really affects all our other relationships. And so the next ring is our relationship uh, primarily with those and uh, families as we think about our families and how God has placed us in those families and how we can work out those purposes of God and our families and be disciples and make disciples as Jesus has called us to be, but also with others that God has called us to, to disciple and to share God's goodness and his grace with to share who God is with them. And then we looked at community. And my heart, my prayer is that every one of you would be involved in a small community where you can really experience God's heart for the church where we can practice our worship. 
and grow in our relationship with God together and we can um, care for one another and we can also serve others around us. And so uh, that, I believe that's God's call for us to be in a small community like that. And then we looked at our Sunday morning worship and why we gather as the community of communities. Why do we gather here and it's uh, for one purpose to be witnesses of God's glory and to be give testimony to the power of the resurrection. <laughs> That's why we come and we sing and we worship because we are, we're sharing with the world about the power of our hope and our trust in God and his resurrection power. And then this morning is the outer ring of what I believe and what we believe as a church God has called us to be about. And we're answering the question, why mission to the world? Why mission to the world? You know, purpose is something that's uh, really important and it's significant. And we all kind of know we need purpose, but sometimes it can be hard to put your finger on that word purpose. Um, it's interesting with my three boys, inevitably, sometime during the day or during the week, they will uh, get too rowdy and one of them will hit the other one and they'll come running to me. I didn't know as a dad I'd have to be a referee <laughs> so much, but they'd come running to me and say, hey, my brother hit me. And then I would ask the one who hit, why did you hit your brother? And he said, I didn't do it on purpose. <laughs> and uh, so whatever way you think about purpose, whether it's an excuse or... Uh, but the reality is a lot of people, you know, they, they've struggled with this idea of purpose. They've struggled with this figuring out why am I here? And, you know, we live in a throwaway world, right? We, we buy things and we use it for a while and then we say it doesn't have a purpose anymore, so we throw it away. And... The reality is a lot of us can begin to think that way about ourselves. And that's so um, damaging. That's a lie of Satan. But we begin to look around and think, well, you know, why am I here? And I think all of us have grappled with that on some level. All of us have felt at one point or another like we didn't have a purpose. But the good news is we are not throwaway things. We are made in the image of God and you are loved by God and precious to him. Remember when we talked about this call to be disciples and to make disciples that Jesus called his disciples because he wanted them. He desired them. And God desires and he wants you. He wants a relationship with you. He has a purpose for your life. And so many people have tried to find purpose in things that God never intended them to find purpose in. And I think we all can fall into this. All of us can can look at different things and think, okay, maybe I can find purpose in this. And the Bible warns us about this. We have to be careful because if we put our purpose in the wrong thing, it can lead us astray or it can leave us empty or unfulfilled. And so some of these things change, shift. They're not last, everlasting. So a job, right? It's a good thing, but, but we're not to find our purpose in that or a certain skill that God's given you, maybe money or wealth or, or possessions, pleasure, fame or recognition of others. And none of these are, are bad in themselves, but if we try to find our purpose in these things, they are so fleeting, temporary, and we can be left empty and unsatisfied in life. Uh, you guys remember uh, Rick Warren wrote a book called Purpose Driven Life. How, how many of you guys have read that book, okay? There was a time here in America when every church was doing 40 days of purpose, right? And I think Rimrock probably, probably did that as well. And uh, I, I looked up the number of books sold, 34 million books. It's one of the best-selling books ever in the history 
of the United States. It's amazing. Um, but I think that shows, I think that showed that there is a hunger and a desire for understanding purpose. And I think that's from God. God has put that deep in our hearts. But the, my favorite part of that whole book is the first line, the first part. And I want to read that for you uh, this morning. He says, it's not about you. The purpose of your life is far greater than your personal fulfillment, your peace of mind, or even your happiness. It is far greater than your family, your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambitions. If you want to know why you were placed on this planet, you must begin with God. I agree with him in that. Amen? <laughs> you must begin with God. You were born by his purpose and for his purpose. That's a profound statement. That is a profound statement. That is a message we need. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. So we're going to start talking about God's purpose. And then we're going to be talking about how God works that out in our lives. So this past week, uh, my son, my oldest son, Charlie, and I watched an older movie, a sports movie. It's a true movie about basketball called Glory Road. And uh, it's about a basketball team, a college basketball team in El Paso, Texas, that was underdogs, but they had this uh, amazing coach, and they put these players together, and they won the NCAA championship. It was an amazing story. And I, I thought it was interesting that they chose the title Glory Road. And I think they're right in the sense that in sports, we get a taste of glory. I, I mean, there's a reason why stadiums get packed out on Sundays here in America, right? Because there, there's a glory in sports. And we, we all have seen that and maybe tasted that or, or felt that at different times. And so there is, there is a level of glory in lots of things, whether it's sports or even money or wealth or entertainment. And all these glories are very attractive and they have a part and a place. But here's the th deal. All of these things are fading glories. They don't last. Um, even the best athletes will get old and tired and unable to do what they used to be able to do. They're momentary. They're fleeting. And so the deep desire in all of us, and I think why we're attracted to these lesser glories is because we desire a greater glory. We, an everlasting glory. It's deep in our, our souls. That's, that's why I think all of us long for that. And the Bible reveals, I think, what our ultimate longing is for is God's glory. In fact, I've, maybe some of you have heard me say this, is we, we are very wrong to think that God has given us the Bible and that it's about us. <laughs> it's not. It's not a story about us. It's a story about God and who he is and what he is doing and it's a story about his glory that's what the whole bible is about is about god's glory and it's a story about that glory and it's an invitation for us to know that glory and participate in his glory and so i think the ultimate definition of glory is god himself like we can experience lesser glories glimpses tastes fleeting things um, but even in creation which is glorious when you see a sunset or the stars. But even that is just a, a fleeting glimpse of the glory of God. And so every lesser glory is pointing, I think, to an ultimate glory, which is about God, God's glory. In the story of the Bible, there's a character named Moses. And, um, um, you know, we can look at some of these biblical characters and, 
and he, he didn't have an easy path, an easy life, and he was born a slave, but became a prince, and got, you know, had to run away into the desert, and, and we know where in the desert, he's where he first met God in a burning bush, right, and there he experienced and tasted a little bit of God's glory, but he said, man, I can't, I can't do what you want me to do, I don't feel able I'm not adequate I don't speak well enough and yet God said no I've chosen you I want you to go back to Egypt and bring my people out of Egypt and so we see Moses as a leader but inept and struggling and wondering how he could carry out the purpose God had given him remember this is a message about purpose in our lives and so Moses goes up on the mountain to meet with God and he had a question in Exodus 33 he said, show me your glory. Show me your glory. You see, Moses understood that his glory was a fleeting glory. He understood that all the things he had experienced in Egypt and being a prince to a slave and God's miracles and all of that was minuscule in comparison to God. He says, I just want to see your glory. Show me your glory. So in your Bibles in Exodus 33, verse 19 through 20, this is what God says. He says, you can't see my face, but I will have all of my goodness pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord. The Lord. God declares that he is the Lord. That he is over everything. He is over all. He is the ultimate glory. I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. You see, Moses came face to face with the glory of God. He understood that God is the Lord, that He alone is over all. I think of what the Westminster Confession says, and this is a, a, a statement that tries to capture what the Bible, I think, says but the question is what is the chief end of man and the answer is the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever what is the chief end of man to glorify God and enjoy him forever and that's what Moses encountered with God that he alone was the ultimate glory and Moses longed for that glory and so it's that purpose of God's glory that I think we begin to understand our purpose now praise God that we're not Moses because Jesus has come into the world and so we no longer have to climb a mountain on fire we can see the glory of God in a new way in a more perfect whole way in Jesus Christ that's why John 1 says in the beginning was the word talking about Jesus and the word was with God and the word was God he was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing has been made that has been made. And so what is God's name? He is the Lord. He is over all. He is the ultimate glory. He is the creator of everything. The word, Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And so that glory that Moses couldn't fully experience because God's full glory couldn't be seen, now we are being told that in Jesus Christ, the complete manifestation of God's glory is being made known in Jesus Christ and he came to live among us 
He became one of us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so the glory of God is available. It's available. You and I can see the glory of God in Jesus Christ. In Exodus, it said that God was full of goodness, mercy, compassion. What do we see in Jesus? Goodness, mercy, compassion, lived out. He healed the sick. He fed the hungry. He loved the rejected. He washed the feet of his disciples. He died on a cross to save. He sacrificed his life for us. He gave of himself. He forgave. He reveals the full glory of God. This is God's purpose. This is God's glory to bring about salvation. And that's why this glory could be known by us because John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, eternal life. That is the glory of God available. All we have to do to experience the glory of God is receive it, <laughs> believe it. We sang it this morning. What did we sing? That I will trust in the Lord. I will build my life in his love. It's when we do that that we experience the glory of God in Jesus Christ. This is available to everyone. <laughs> All you have to do is believe, receive, even a child. In fact, sometimes it's easier for a child than as we get older, right? We have to trust and believe and receive that God is who he says he is, that Jesus is the full revelation of God and his glory. And when we receive it, that's why it says in Ephesians chapter 2, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And so the, the salvation of God is a work of God, but we must receive it, we must believe it, not by works, so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork. And so here's the movement. So here's where we're going, because we need to understand God's purpose. What is God's purpose? It's the glory of of his name over all, he is Lord. And his purpose is to save. His purpose is to redeem, to make new, to create life in us. He is the savior. And so that is his glory. But now, through faith, by his grace, in a relationship with him, as we receive him, and his glory becomes a part of our lives, now, as God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so, do you see the movement? It starts with God, but it gets worked out in our lives. <laughs> God's glory, His saving work gets worked out. We are His workmanship, His handiwork. You were created by God with a purpose. <laughs> but we have to start with God's glory. John 17, and by the way, this is Jesus' prayer with the Father. If you want to see the heart of God, if you go to John uh, 14 through 17, you can see the heart of God as the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit commune and communicate. And this is Jesus talking about us with the Father. He says, we are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. That's why we're listening to God's word today. It's his truth that sets us free. 
when we understand that our purpose is found in God's glory, it sets us free. <laughs> this isn't to trap us, this is to free us, to be all that God created us to be. And here's the key. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. This is John 17, verse 18. This is key. God's purpose is being realized, worked out in your life, and that he is sending you into the world. So Jesus left the glory of God in heaven, and he came, and he became one of us. And in the same way, he sends us into the world and so our lives take on significance, meaning, purpose. We are God sent into this world. This is what Jesus goes on to say in verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray for those who will believe in me through this message. That's you and me. He was thinking of you and I as he's praying. That all of them may be one father, just as you and I are in me and I am in you. And this is the relationship. So this is why God must be at the center of our lives, the center of our church, because without God, he's everything. May they also be in us that the world may believe that you have sent me. And so how will the world believe? God in us. Christ in us. As God's presence, as he lives and moves and his power is worked out in our lives, the world will see that God is with us. I have given them the glory that you gave me. You see that word glory again? That they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me, so they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and that you have loved them as you have loved me. And so as we think about that outer ring, this is the majority of where much of our life and our time is spent out in the world. Many of you have jobs, some of you are students, some of you have different hobbies or interests, and you're out in the world, okay? The world will know that you are sent by God because you have received his love even as they love me. And Father, this is what Jesus says in verse 24, Father, I want, you to, I want those you've given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. You see, God wants to give us his glory. <laughs> he's not withholding anything from you or from me. He's offering. He's giving. The question is, will we receive? The glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. <laughs> this is beautiful. This is the greatest purpose we could ever know and experience. The glory of God being worked out into our lives as we are sent into the world. So let's talk practically. What does this mean for us? Because um, Monday's coming, right? <laughs> Alarm clock goes off, gotta get up, go to work, go to school, go run errands, go to do whatever. How do we live in light of God's glory? I love what Paul says in Romans chapter one, verse 16. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. <laughs> Because when you have the glory, you can't contain it. <laughs> it's got to come out. Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. We just sang that, right? You are mighty to save. God, you are glorious. You are the Lord. You are the King. You have life. You have blessing. You see, Paul understands that when we have the glory of Jesus in us, 
It's uncontainable. <laughs> it comes out, it comes out of our lives. And so I think we need to think about our lives not as segmented between what we are here at church and what we are tomorrow, but we are first and foremost called to be worshipers. As sons and daughters of God, we are worshipers. This relationship that Jesus talked about with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, His love in us, it becomes who we are. Our identity is deeply rooted and found in Christ. <laughs> it's in Him that, that we have our being, that we know who we are. And it's in Him that we have life. And it's that life that results in worship. And not just here on Sunday morning. I love what we do here on Sunday morning, but it's when you go to work, when you pick up your kids at the sports, or when you go to school, or wherever you go, you become a worshiper. And so when we have the glory of God, we become worshipers. We are a worshiping people. And we understand that life isn't us. We're just pointing to God and we're saying, He's the one. He's the Lord. He is the Savior. We worship Him. Our lives revolve around Him. He is the center of it all. And when we understand that we're disciples and we've been given a mission that we've been sent in this world to make other disciples, that's, those were Jesus' last words, I now send you, go and make disciples of all people. And when we understand that, that at the very core we're worshipers and we're disciples, it changes how we do everything else. <laughs> it doesn't mean that we leave our jobs or leave our school or leave all that. No, God has sent us into the world to be people who are deeply ingrained and participating in the things of this world. But now we have a purpose, God's glory. We have a mission to point others to that glory. I think of, uh, I, last week I brought up Eric Little. He was an Olympic athlete. And uh, I, sh I shared last week the story that he didn't run a, a competition because it happened on Sunday morning. But his, his whole life revolved around God and, and he loved to run. And he ran to his utmost ability and with all his strength because this is what he said. He says, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. <laughs> You see, worship for him wasn't segmented. He understood running was part of his worship. And here's where I think this gets really practical for us. Some of you are fantastic at math <laughs> and you're engineers. That is part of your worship. Some of you are amazing artists. That is part of your worship. Some of you are incredible carrier. You care for people, compassionate. And you, you're in the medical field or you're in social services or you're teachers. That's part of your worship. Some of you are plumbers or construction workers or electricians, and that is part of your worship. You can feel pleasure as you work out your God's handiwork, as you work out the gifts and the skills and who God made you to be, as you work that out in your lives, you reflect God's glory. And you point people to his glory as you do what God has given you to the utmost of your ability. That's why Paul says in Ephesians, as we work as unto the Lord. Our work is our worship, our studies, whatever we do, we point to God and His glory. But that's very different than seeing those things as our purpose. We understand our purpose comes from God and then it gets worked out in our lives, in every area of our lives. It says, uh, Paul says, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it what? For God's glory. <laughs> 
for God's glory. And so hobbies and interests, those too can become part of your worship. You can point to God's glory. And so all of this means that we move from being consumers of trying to find meaning and purpose in all these things, but we understand with God at the center that we become people of blessing, people who can give, people who share, people who point, who can love, who can show compassion. This is the transforming work of God. And as we think about those circles in our lives and as we think about what we do throughout the week and every day, it changes how we go to work, how we interact with the people around us. And we don't have to beat people over the head with Bibles or, or preach at people. When we have the glory of God deep in us, we can't contain it. It's just, it's part of who we are. We have to share it. I've worked different jobs and, and, and I get, you get reputation, right? You get a reputation for being the guy who always talks about God, who always talks about Jesus, but that's okay because we're not ashamed. I've been there and I've seen God open so many doors as I've worked jobs and I've shared and, and usually not in groups, but one person will come to me and say, tell me more. Just this past week at soccer practice, I had an opportunity to share with another dad about the glory of God, who Jesus is. It was beautiful. God will give us opportunities. He'll allow us to share. And it doesn't have to be awkward or uncomfortable because we understand the glory of God. We understand our purpose. And we're pointing people to him, to his salvation. As a church, I'm gonna ask Hannah to come up. As a church, we do this every day in our work and everywhere we go. But we also send people. Last week we uh, prayed for the Spains as they go to China because we understand that God's heart is for the nations, for all people. And that we have a responsibility to not only go ourselves but also to send people to all over the world to share the glory of God. Isaiah the prophet, and I want to end with this, I think points to this reality. In Isaiah 51, he says, listen to me, my people. Hear me, my nation. And that's my prayer today is that we would understand God's purpose and that we would see it worked out in our lives. Instruction will go out from me, talking about God. My justice will become light to the nations. You see, this is God's salvation plan. He starts with us, but he wants to save the whole creation. This whole world is under a curse. It's under a terrible, terrible curse. And we see it in sickness and death and war and hatred and pain. But God is changing all that. He's transforming all that. He's gonna bring justice to this world. My righteousness draws near speedily. My salvation is on the way. <laughs> you see, God is a saving God. And my arm will bring justice to the nations. The islands will look to me and wait and hope for my arm. Lift up your eyes to the heavens. Look at the earth beneath. The heavens will vanish like smoke and the earth will wear out like a garment. All these are fading glories and its inhabitants will die, but my salvation will last forever. God's glory is an everlasting glory. Nothing compares to it. My righteousness will never fail. Hear me, you who know what is right, you people who have taken my instruction to heart. And so he's talking to us, the people who know the glory of God. Do not fear. Why don't we talk about God? Why don't we point people to Jesus? Fear. <laughs> We're afraid. But he says, don't be afraid. 
don't be afraid. Do not fear the reproach of mere mortals. Don't be afraid of people. Don't be afraid what they will say or what they will do. Do not be terrified of their insults, for the moth will eat them like a garment and the worm will devour them like wool, but my righteousness will last forever and my salvation through all generations. Let's praise our God. 